Um, hello, everybody, and kia ora. Um, so in today's webinar, we will provide an overview of the best practice guidance for transport agencies to manage smart motorways operations. We have more than 200 people registered for today's session. Welcome to you all, and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm the Communications Officer at Austroads, and I will be moderating today's session together with one of our presenters, David Yee, who will moderate the Q&A at the end of the webinar. I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the original people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project that we are focusing on today was delivered under the Transport Network Operations Program, which is managed by Amy Knowles. A bit of housekeeping. So our presenters will speak for about 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The slides and the report can be downloaded from the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. To send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the question icon on that sidebar. If your question relates to any particular slide, include the number of that slide in your message to help us answer your question as best as we can. Also, let us know if you have any technical problems, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So closing your browser and rejoining the session um, using your registration link usually helps. This session has been recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, you can also find Austroads um, in your podcast app. Um, so it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today. We will first hear from David E. David is the Managing Director of Transport Management Consulting with more than 25 years experience in various transport management and transport technology roles across government and private industry. Our second presenter is Joan Deng. Joan is a transport consultant with experience in intelligent transport systems and um, assessing multimodal transport networks across planning, design, delivery and operations. And our third guest is Simon Goff. Simon um, is um, an executive advisor, asset management at GHD. Simon has extensive experience in road network management from projects uh, through to asset management. So welcome to all our presenters um, and over to you, David. Thanks very much, Ekaterina, and welcome everybody. Um, today, I'm just going to give you three slides just to set the project up, introduce the material, and I'll then hand off to the um, two other presenters, uh, Joanne and Simon. So as context and introduction to this project, uh, because it's an Austroids project, we have had a good engagement across all jurisdictions in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, we can see there on the right side of the, the slide there. And on the left, we see a, a picture of the project team. So my role was as Austroids project manager and the project team was, GHD's project team was led by Bert and May. And today we'll hear from Simon and Joanne who'll get into some of the content of the reports. Uh, in terms of the purpose of the project, 
Look, in term, Austro's role as, I guess, representative of uh, Austro's members performing motorway management recognised that there was a need for some support in the area of operational capability development for smart motorways. The, if we go back to 2016, the Austro's Guide to Smart Motorways was published, but that was very much focused on ITS delivery, but it lacks the actual perspective of, of the operations. So this project was born to try and give that national guidance material. So the two key areas we looked at were firstly at operational planning and management of smart motorways, and then secondly, some support for how operational areas can better I get, um, integrate and better support sort of new infrastructure projects and, and new developments. So today we've, well, in terms of the project's delivery, uh, there were two deliverables. And the first deliverable is actually um, a research report, which is still under uh, in publication process. The second report is the best practice to smart motorway operations, which is the focus of today's um, webinar. So with that introduction, I'll now hand over to Joanne, who will take us through some of the, the research. Thanks, Joanne. Thanks, David. Just bringing up my slides on screen three. Okay. I will be talking about the project overview first and then going into the future trends research report. So at a high level, our methodology can be split into four steps, each step producing outputs that inform the research report and the best practice guidelines. The workshops and one-on-one -on -one meetings with the project working group members. Content in the research report and best practice guide has been structured so that the future research informed development of the three guide parts. Part one being models and frameworks, sections two to four. Part two being motorway operations functions and subfunctions, section six to eight. And part three looking at projects integrations, which is section nine. The guide is published on OSRO's website and also available in your handouts. The research report will be published early next year. Now we will look at the future research, research report. Our research of future trends involved a broad examination of online resources, international practice and comparison with on the ground practitioner views of future trends. We also workshop these with representatives across Australia's member agencies. Our online research involved a review of common themes and descriptors around the existing, emerging or future macro trends using principles of PEST. We then took specific transport related trends that, and further detailed that around smart motorway operations. The findings of this research and practitioner views were then grouped and harmonized into a short list. The short list includes 11 trends that are most likely to impact on motorways operations across the next 15 years. We distilled these from societal, economic, sustainability and technology macro trends. This includes increasing expectation for enhanced traveller experience through to increasing need and expectations for decarbonisation. 
After the shortlisting process, we did an impact assessment across four areas of smart motorway operations. The first, TMC operations, the second, live operations, the third, incident management, and the fourth, in operations planning. The impact assessment also considered the overall status of smart motorways across Australia and New Zealand, with some commentary sought from industry contacts internationally. A key finding is that some aspects of motorway operations can be more affected by future trends and other aspects can be less affected. For example, reducing the number and impacts of incidents would be heavily influenced by future technology whereas operations planning will be less affected by what might happen in the future as it continues to rely on good processes and people. I'll now hand over to Simon Goff, who will talk about the best practice guideline. Thank you, Joanne. Um, hi everyone, I'm, yeah, I'm Simon Goff, and I guess just for a better context in terms of my background, the, um, I was involved in running the Auckland Traffic Management Centre for five years, uh, a few years ago, and um, so yeah, heavily involved in the day-to-day -day operations. So I was introduced by Joanne, we've broken the model up uh, into different sections, and we really kick off with a little bit of context around traffic management center uh, services. So, um, just want to advance the slide there. Um, well, thank you. So, just, just really wanted to start off acknowledging that traffic management centers and, and motorway operations are very diverse. So. You know, whether that's a variety of type of operations from, you know, including tunnels to busways to urban to rural environments, uh, et cetera, and uh, even sort of dynamic lanes. Um, then, then on top of that, you've got scale of operations. So does it run 24-7 or is it just set up to operate during the peak hours? And, and then there's also the relationships with uh, Third parties, whether that's for operations like private motorways, uh, through to the level of uh, interaction, collaboration with emergency services and other parts of the agencies. So all of those create different dynamics. And we've, we've tried our best to make this as generic and, and useful across all of those concepts. So the, the first part was really setting up a few of the models uh, that we then, you know, base the, the advice, the capability advice towards. So, if you just want to move on to the next slides. Cool, and then um, next slide will be good. Yeah, thank you. So, the first one was uh, creating a motorway classification model. And there's three elements to this. And we're just going to take you through these. They all to come together to this diagram. But I'll take you through each of those. So, on the next page, uh, we have the what we call the operating characteristic levels. And you could also call this the maturity level. Um, so, ranging from you know, level one being really reactive, not a lot of incoming data, you know, through to level five with lots and lots of data, very proactive, 
trying to intervene before situations have even occurred. Uh, maybe, you know, now starting to get more and more into automation. So, and that already sort of sets out, you know, different maturity levels across operating of smart motorways. Uh, the next dimension on the next slide is around, we call that characteristic categories. So, um, and we've chosen these five categories because they can vary within operations. So you're not one level of maturity across all of these at the same time. And you might want to be able to assess that you're at different levels. So whether that's for um, the intelligence side, the information coming in to the, to the operation, uh, the level that you're able to control traffic. So that's the deliberate physical control. Um, so it's very direct. Um, and that would flow through the things like lane signals, lane control signals, travel information, which is a lot more about influence, a bit more indirect. Uh, incident management has its own processes, maturity of processes. And then lastly, the level of maturity around planning, network, and access management can also have a big impact. So then the, the third component is the operational outcomes. So what are we trying to achieve from doing smart operations? And we've broken that down into six different areas. Uh, within the guide, there's some examples around um, performance indicators, and hopefully all of those should be pretty straightforward for what you see. And, and really, it's, um, it's not meant to be 100% comprehensive. It's just giving some strong categorization across those different outcomes that allows you to build your own KPIs uh, with some examples provided. So on the next screen, we've just included a few examples of what those KPIs might be, whether that's ranging from your clearance times um, for incidents, whether it's you know, the number of channels that you're able to utilize to inform travelers with travel information, uh, maybe it's also the uh, maintenance response times of how you're able to deal with faults on your devices. So, you know, is your system been available 99.9% .9 of the time? So all of those are types of outcomes uh, that we need to be able to um, monitor and better understand our smart motorway operations. On the next page, and then there's a lot of information on here, and feel free to look in the guide, is just filling out that matrix. So this is the, uh, the maturity versus the operating characteristics. And this just gives you some examples of you know, what the different levels of maturity could look like uh, from level one to five. On the next slide, um, in parallel to the previous version, which is the official part of the model, We've also provided a technology view on that maturity matrix. And that's just because you know, one of the steps we're about to talk about is how you might like to assess your maturity. And often we know and understand what technologies we've got in place. And that might just make it a, lot of, a bit easier to then get a quick guide on your maturity level. So for example, in the, uh, the traffic control uh, space, you might have no systems at the moment. Uh, but, you know, as you work your way up to the highest level, you might have dynamic lanes, 
have a lot of automation about your lane controls or your messaging, your road closure notices, etc. So in the next slide, we just work through a little example of what how you can use this maturity model, classification model. So if we look at number one first, number one is your assessment of what maturity level you're currently sitting at on each of those five categories. So then we can, from there, we can move across to the outcome side and we can assess across those six different categories what are the current outcomes that we are achieving. It's assumed for this, for this argument that at the end of that process you decide that those outcomes are not um, as much as you would like to be achieving. So you can define what are the outcomes that you'd like to, to make. Let's say your average response time to an incident scene is currently 50 minutes and you've decided that that needs to be 30 minutes to meet your customer level of services. So to achieve that, you can come back to the operating characteristics and work out um, what could I change and with the assumption that you want to go upwards uh, across these five categories. Now in this case, we said with the number fours that we'd like to increase the maturity in our traffic control as well as our planned network and access management. So we might realize that there's very little controls and that people are accessing the motorways at any time of the day and by introducing a high level of maturity, we're making sure that all the road closures are off the motorways at 5 a.m. in the morning, so there's no risk of flow on impact uh, during the big period that's about to hit you. So that's just a simple work through uh, around how you might like to use the classification model. The next model that we've developed the framework is around capability. So uh, this just gives you a bit of an overview around that framework. So on the left, we've got motorway operations, and we're going to talk a bit about the function, sub-function task a little bit later in the talk today. Uh, we're pretty used to training, so we've structured that from a subject, module, and assessment perspective as a you know, fairly traditional way of organizing training. And then in the middle is the concept of capability. So, and what's really important here is at the heart of this is this concept of competence. So, you know, which is, it is, how does a person have the right knowledge and skills and that they can apply that to achieve those motorway operational outcomes? Uh, we support that with training and experience is really important, uh, but obviously we can also be formal about how we provide education um, and also looking at the personality traits even fits into that model as well. We've touched on that in a little bit in the guide. So if we just move on, um, we look, you can look at the intersection of those two models. On the next screen, we just have a little very example of how they can interact. So we've got the operating characteristics uh, and the scope of the TMC services. So if, You've got a really large operation, 24-7. You might be managing three or four different functions. Um, now, you're going to need, so that's the say, a five on the bottom axis and a large on the y-axis. Now, you clearly need a D 
a high level of capability to be able to achieve your objectives. Uh, in a different situation, you might have a quite a busy um, scope in the TMT space. So you might be at a medium level, the drop rating characteristics, let's just say it's in an urban, uh, rural environment, the risks aren't quite as high, pressure's not as high, so you're providing good services. So you might be quite comfortable with it in a B location, uh, providing a medium level of capability. So it just gives you an indicator of how those two models can interact. So moving on, we've got the part two of the document, which deals really now with the motorway functions and sub-functions. The first of that we wanted to cover is the actual management of a TMZ. So while a lot of the focus goes on to the live operations, we thought it was really important that we address the behind the scenes activities and processes. So in this case, we've broken that up into six different sub-functions. And in that each section, we then talk about what their purpose is, what are the responsibilities under those sub-functions, and occasionally we've included some case studies and tips uh, that might help you better understand how you might like to apply these. Uh, today, we're just going to touch on a couple of those areas around the operator capability and training and people management. So under the operator capability and training, we've, which we've seen from that earlier capability framework, uh, we're just going to touch on three areas really around training and competency. So the first one around training, is just noting that there's different types of training. So, so it's expanding our minds to realize that it's not just on the job training, uh, but we've also got classroom training, we might have scenario-based training, and certainly technology is getting better with simulators, uh, virtual reality, the different methods to do scenarios, make it more realistic. And then as well, we've got self-learning as well. On top of that, we've also got to remember that there's different types of focuses for our training areas. And so while we've got the really obvious stuff, which is how to use the technology, we, better, we also don't want to forget about that we're actually following processes um, and work instructions when we're using that technology. And as well, there's actually people development. So more of the soft skills, how to cope in stressful situations. So those are you know, a number of different areas that we need to have focus across our training program. In the capability and training space, um, it's really just saying that we've got to have a bit more of a structured approach to looking at managing our capability and the training. Um, so, yeah, that should include, uh, you might like to consider a structured uh, competency assessment, whether that's through peer reviews, uh, 360 reviews, um, having assessments, so whether it's formal assessments or on-the-job assessments. Um, and ultimately, I think it's really important to note that, you know, the 24-7 nature of most of these operations means that the level of supervision you know, having been a manager, I guess one of the things I realized early on is I can't be there 24-7. So you have to empower and have confidence in your staff that they know what they're doing. So the concept of competency 
allows you to have confidence as a management that your team um, has got the skills, they have got the knowledge and experience, that they can competently carry out their duties at any time of the day. So it's one of the ideas around you know, where constantly fits in, and in this case, really our experience is also really valuable. So this little table talks about how do you progress up you know, these five levels from trainee up to being a chief operator, or add in your own terms. So this is just setting out the you know, length of time, experience required at the different levels before you're allowed to move on. So it might be one thing to know how to use the system, but I guess what we're trying to communicate here is that experience time on the job to experience as many scenarios as possible is highly valuable. So as we, we could cherry pick one of these, we're saying that you know, at a graduate level, we're expecting you to spend at least nine months as a graduate. But at, you know, once you get to 12 months, we're expecting you to move on to an operator level. So the last thing I wanted to talk around people management is clearly there's a lot of overlap here with the corporate HR processes. And we certainly don't try and include in the guide how to do good recruitment, how to do good job descriptions, etc. Uh, but clearly, uh, we're expecting you to leverage your, your corporate HR team. Uh, we just provided some, some prompts and guides where it brings a little bit of that TMC flavor uh, into that space. So the next major uh, function is live motorway operations. So this is the core the bit that we get a lot of the focus on. We've got four sub-functions, which, funny enough, look very similar to those categories we saw in the smart motorway classification model. Um, so the only one that's missing is planned um, access management, and that comes as a different function. And in this case, instead of responsibilities, we actually focus in on tasks. So what are the tasks? expected to be carried out under each of these sub-functions. And within that, we've actually all further broken it down to five levels of maturity, just to try again, tie in with that maturity level assessment. So under intelligence, um, it's really, it's, it's just getting into that expectation around how can we utilize the data, what's the analysis. So for example, you know, one of the really key skills is the ability to use different data sources to verify uh, particular situations. So rather than, you know, can we, if we might get some inflation coming in that there's been a crash from the emergency services, we can then obviously use the BCDB system to detect um, to visualize whether there is actually an incident there, or it might be there's no cameras, and we might be able to use uh, traffic detectors to look at congestion buildup as a different way of assessing whether there's an unusual situation occurring on the network. Um, just as an example of some of the tips that we've included, you know, uh, most CTDP systems will have the ability to set presets. And so we just suggested that, you know, getting your orientation, are you looking north, looking south, 
for example, um, can be quite tricky, especially in the um, more rural situation. So using your presets to be able to quickly set all your cameras to a certain direction uh, could be really useful and just to make it easier for your operators to get their bearings. Uh, moving on to traffic control. And so, one, so as we talked about earlier, this is really active management. We're really trying to control exactly what the traffic's doing as, as best as we can. So obviously that includes a lot of variety and a growing variety of systems and devices these days. Uh, more and more, obviously, using ramp signals and, and that flows through to the arterial traffic signals. Now, fundamentally, this guide doesn't get into arterial management and equal traffic signal management, um, but obviously there is some crossovers. Um, but the focus and scope of this project was the motorway operations. Um, just, just the last one on that, that previous slide around traffic operations. Um, really important part to draw out here is how the operators understand um, the policy and you know, when is something appropriate, um, you know, when can certain messages be used. Um, and they can be both negative, as in when not to do something, but also positive. So a, a good one for me has always been, and this crosses over uh, traffic control and traffic information, is how we can use verbal message sites to provide positive messaging about incidents being cleared. So we know an incident might occur on a motorway, we get an hour, you know, 30, 50 minutes worth of delay, queues right back, um, and people are sitting in those queues and they drive underneath the side. Now traditionally, when that incident's been cleared, the side is now taken down because there's no more incidents to tell people about, to tell people what's going on. But people are still sitting in a queue. So having a policy or a guideline that's that encourages the positive use of that sign to say, incident now cleared, this is the level of delay you can still expect, or you know, keep going, don't look for the details now. Uh, they can make a really positive difference to the positive experience of the road users interacting with your operation. So in the Trevor information space, uh, really at these days it's about the volume of channels we've got, uh, the more mature you are, the more you might be automating some of this. And, um, but also the wider you go out, and I think one of the really important things is the ability to influence over a wider area of the network. So whether that's through variable message signs or you know, the, the message through these different channels. And you know, just don't forget, from an incident management perspective, we've got the inner cordon around the site but we can have you know, at least one or two more cordons up to, you know, it could be 30 kilometers away, encouraging traffic to avoid that site. So really try to influence. And some of the more mature setups are using things like um, traveling times to now do that, which is great information for the travelers to make an informed decision. So moving on to incident management. So this is where now we bring together um, 
know, the, the different subfunctions we've talked about. So the question, I guess, is why have we got into the matter separately? And that's fundamentally because it's its own process. So there's, you know, an incident management process, a bow that's would detect, verify, dispatch, you know, apply the response plans, and you know, there's certainly good diagrams that we've included some of those in the guide um, that we've borrowed from other Austro's uh, best practice guides. So that's you know fairly well mature. Um, but then the travel information and the travel control that we've talked about, now the tools to enable you to deliver great incident management and responses. Um, so I think one of the, you know, the, probably the interesting ones I'd like to, you know, challenge you with is, you know, the planning for the road clearance. You know, so rather than whether we've got a major incident, let's say our motorway's closed for two hours, you know, we're busy, you know, the first, there's a lot of focus around getting our initial messaging, initial responses to the scene, but at what point are we starting to think about the reopening? Could we open one lane at a time? When do we close down the detour route versus the opening of the highway? Uh, and all of that's going to be customized, you know, depending on location and unique situations. Um, what's the clearance? Uh, do we need to keep people completely away from the scene? Or do we just need to protect the shoulder for an extra hour while they're investigating? So all of those things can be thought through while the incidents still going on and the roads closed, hopefully therefore reducing the overall congestion at the end of the incident. One of my favourite things I remember from the very start of my journey was the next day in the paper after that incident, um, the newspaper is going to report that everyone was stuck in traffic for you know two hours um, and that's all going to be negative and that's the challenge within the motorway operations is to celebrate that, in fact, it would have been two and a half hours if you hadn't done such a great job. And so it's hard to get that out there, but it's been able to put the metrics in place to realize that you're really making a big difference by following a good systematic approach through incident management. So the last of the uh, functions under operations is the operational planning and optimization. So here we've got the sub-functions, uh, five broken down into five sub-functions, and again we've kind of come back to responsibilities uh, because this really gets a bit broader than our live operations. So the first one around concept of operations, and this fits into that planning, and most of the focus here is, is not to say that operations are going to take over doing transport planning in the future. It's really just to make a broader understanding of how operations should interact with that transport planning. So I guess our biggest encouragement is to get involved when you hear people talking about network operating plans, concept of operations, then you know, please you know, reach out, put your hand up to get involved. And because operations has so much practical knowledge to help inform those uh, transport planning documents, journeys that they're going through. Hopefully they proactively reached out to you in the first place, just in case they haven't. So the next slide really just gives a bit more detail around those you know, interactions and and I guess ultimately noting that you know, if your role is in operations 
is to champion not just the need of operations to think about, we want more lanes, we've got congestion, but also proactively your knowledge of what are the tools that can make the best, what are the different approaches that can make the best difference around how to achieve operational outcomes. Uh, we have included a template around smart motorway concept of operations, uh, courtesy of Queensland Main Roads. So, um, so yeah, hopefully it'll give you a little prompt if you want to give that a try and have a look into that and how you might want to use that proactively to engage with that conversation with your transport planning teams. Incident management planning, a lovely companion for the live moment, is planning makes all the difference. And that's across a number of areas. So having pre-prepared plans, um, obviously more mature systems, starting to get more dynamic around that, and having more automated decision making, might start calling that AI in the future. Um, but there's also nothing wrong with a good old fashioned paper document that talks about a standard detour route for a rural motorway. So all just as useful, great for communicating. You know, coordination across your agencies, so how are you proactively, I just stood on the previous slide. <coughs> and clear how are you working together with your other agencies, especially emergency services? Do you have an agreement around protocols um, the transfer of control on a site. Um, so whether it's a formal agreement or an informal agreement, obviously it's highly advisable to be having regular catch-ups. Through that as well, you might want to extend that into major incident debriefs. So what are the learnings you could get from previous major incidents that you could feed back into your processes and response plans? In terms of being planned and improving over time, you might want to look at um, your scenarios. Uh, running incident scenarios as part of your planning and preparedness. Support your training program as well, of course. Uh, but the tip on this page really is, you know, it's been one of the most common ones I've heard when I've gotten out to different jurisdictions, and that is the challenge of getting tow trucks to an incident scene in an efficient manner, um, because you know, it can have a direct impact on those current times. Um, might sound trivial and obvious, uh, but it is, does still seem to be a common issue around different places, around, you know, can you even formally have a roster? How do we stop 10 coming? But also, do we need tow trucks to come from both directions, just in case one side's easier than the other to come from? So there is some complexity and opportunity to optimise how we're getting clearance times down. The next area around planning network access management. Look, there's a variety of terms across the different uh, agencies, what we call this, but fundamentally, how does someone apply and get permission to access the motorway network uh, in a planned, organised perspective? Obviously, this is highly linked to uh, temporary traffic management plans, and um, but again, it's an area that we've seen a variety of maturity across different jurisdictions. Just on the next screen, please. So, so again, you know, 
I think one of the clear challenges in this space is the foresight to know when your plan action is going to cause issues or not. So, um, so it might vary, let's just say, from in Auckland, we recently had the part of our Auckland Harbour Bridge closed down for a marathon. And there was some level of congestion to deal with. Um, not too bad in the big scheme of things. I've seen other scenarios where we've had to close down a whole motorway in both directions to major bridge joint replacements for weekends at a time. So clearly, huge amount of planning um, has to go in place. But again, a common challenge has often been contingency plans haven't been put in place. And I remember that particular scenario, the first weekend was an absolute disaster. And the project team who are leading those plans uh, then had to fire into action a whole lot of contingency plans for the following weekend. So planning around this access management can have a significant impact on recurring congestion uh, across the network. Uh, the next area is the optimizing your operations. So we, we touch on this broadly, um, not in too much detail, but it's really just sort of saying that from a planning and optimization perspective, you should always be able to reflect on how things are going, what can we learn from that, and how are we improving? And that's the essence of what this is really about. So whether that's how you're using the systems, and the systemized system being optimized through to um, you know, the staff side of the staff welfare, have we got enough staff on to cope with the different situations that could be encountered? And the last one in this area is around network traffic optimization. We've come, we've included this in the completeness, and, and often this is done by a different team that might sit outside of the traffic management operations. But also, I've seen some jurisdictions where this team sits in the office right next to the control room. So, we've touched on it to make people aware of it. Uh, we've not tried to get into detail about how to be experts in all of this. Um, but we wanted, from a completeness perspective, to make sure a concept of how to optimize in network um, from a wider perspective was really important not to be forgotten. Right, and now we're going to hit the third part and final part, which is all around the integration of projects. So fundamentally, um, your agency's got projects that are going to either create new motorways or they're going to impact and change an existing motorway, um, or they might just impact it because they're going to connect onto the side of it, if that's a local road, and connect you on the side of the motorway. So all of these things have a relationship with operations, and we've covered those off across five different areas. So this part was breaking that up into the different phases. Now, the, the basic life cycle around project development, um, the project delivery side, and then the implementation is classic life cycle of a project. <laughs> but we also wanted to highlight that during the delivery, there's also a relationship with operations around the temporary traffic management. So, which we talked about before in the planned events, but we just wanted to re-emphasize that from a project relationship, we wanted to show the full picture. 
in the guide we've covered how information flows um, in both directions. So not just operations team to the project team, but also what should be flowing from the project team through to operations as well, and how they should be collaborating across these different four different parts of the project life cycle. So I'm not going to read all of those, but fundamentally, um, again, hopefully your organisations are maturing to engage with operations uh, earlier in a project life cycle. Um, I think it can, again, that deep understanding of the possibility of different technologies or operational approaches uh, could have quite a material impact on the design of new motorways. Uh, understanding how that needs to hand over and fit into an existing operational framework. So for example, hopefully this isn't occurring anymore, but for example, if someone's building a new tunnel, are they gonna use a brand new tunnel system um, when the control center is already using a tunnel management system for another tunnel? Should there have been synergies in there built in? Um, so there's a huge amount of thing which I'm sure you've all experienced. And the guide really is just to try and create a structure touch on all the areas that can be covered um, and needs to be addressed during um, projects and how they relate to traffic operations. So that's the end of my introduction. And I think now we're going to pass back to facilitators to see if there's any questions. Thanks very much, Simon and Joanne, for taking us through the content of the reports. Um, we do have a couple of questions and so we've got sort of 10 minutes uh, remaining and Phil, if anybody does have any other questions, please send them through. The first one, uh, I think it's on Simon's content. There's a couple of questions around slide 29. So if we jump to slide 29, which is the maturity model, or perhaps 28 is probably a better view. So. Oh, sorry, um, Ekaterina, maybe two slides. Yep, that one there. Oh, the one with the, um, the full matrix. There we go. So the first question, Simon, comes around this one and it asks, is there any guidance with help to help with moving from one level to another uh, in terms of current state to future state? And so how do we develop a roadmap that considers improvements to people, process, and technology? Yeah, that, that's a good point. I can't remember the exact words that we've used in the document, but I, I guess maturity and gap assessments is a pretty mature field from a business analyst perspective. So defining those gaps. And so I think fundamentally, that's why we've given two views. You could either use the first view, which is more around um, logistics, what you're trying to achieve, uh, but also this view around the different um, Yeah, if you've got, um, let's say you've only got variable message signs currently under traffic, and you realise that you, you, know, you don't have enough control, you're not employing enough, uh, VMSs are not very direct, so, you know, the list there provides you an example of, you know, moving up to lane control signals, ramp signals, uh, and different types of technologies to achieve that step up in maturity. Um, 
the challenge, I guess, that we had with this was that, that diversity of operations. And so, um, so we haven't been prescriptive in the sense of this is exactly how you go from one level to the next, but we've tried to provide you lots of information about those different levels, different ways to view it, um, to hopefully allow you to, to make that journey as well. Okay. Thanks for that, Simon. The, the next question relates to the same slide and it is focused on the bottom left cell under intelligence. So in there, we're talking about uh, full proactive management. And I think maybe the previous slide had some view of um, V2I communications plus AID, or perhaps it's the, the one after. Um, so the question relates to in level five. Yep, that one there. So does level five, the question is, does level five maturity apply if the motorway has AID, automated incident detection, but no vehicle to infrastructure communications? That is, did both features need to be implemented to achieve level five? It's a really, we had that debate and David, you probably remember this, you know, that it's, yeah, I guess at one point there was a concept of benchmarking that people should be able to assess the maturity and compare them. I think really where the project team fell that these were just tools for your own benefit and that how you choose and assess your level as this is a guide to support you on that journey. If you think your AID is amazing and you don't need vehicle infrastructure comms, and you think you've maxed out the level of maturity, then from my perspective, call yourself a level five. If you think you've got room to improve, um, whether that's vehicle infrastructure or something else new that's coming along, then definitely put yourself as a level four and show that there's another stage that you want to move to. I don't know if that's a cop out of an answer or is that a good answer? It's really about your own. Yeah, and I think if I add my two cents, that the point is with this, the matrix or the levels of the maturity are that it is used as a guide. I mean, part of the, the reason for getting this up in front of Austroads members is to get some sort of commonality, but it's to be expected that there is going to be some variation between jurisdictions. But having said that, at least you do have a common reference language here that, that's based on what's in front of us now. And yeah, as Simon said, there's there's debate. Uh, you know, you could probably pick on each box and debate whether one's in or out, and does it achieve a level five? Um, but I think it, the the purpose of this is to try and promote that discussion around the commonalities. And there was also a discussion during the project that beyond level five, there could be things that exist that we don't know about yet, or that you could potentially say that we, we are aware of and we want to create a level six, but for the purpose of this, we kept it to that five level view, but there's nothing stopping it to go beyond. So, we, we definitely decision not to be futuristic, and that it was going to be based on today's technology. Absolutely sure there's some smart people on this call that will know other systems that I even mentioned here. I actually found it more interesting about the different maturity across the different um, categories. So someone might be quite mature in, um, in traffic control and traffic, but coming in might have been 
one of the more common ones with the plan has been a bit quite immature, but you could be really getting off into the management. So that was that was quite telling. Yeah. All right, and so that's the the last question we had, Simon and Joanne. So I think we've got now time to hand back to. Oh, sorry, one more question that's come in. I'll take this one on notice because I haven't read it. I'll just read word for word. Could you please refer to any document, if it exists, that is similar but broader than this motorways one? Best practice in transport network operations, or are there any plans to develop one in the future? I think that the the second part of the question is going to be thrown back to Austroads and particularly to, to Amy. Um, but the first question, uh, Simon, if you're aware, any report that uh, is broader than this, the, the best practice in transport network operations? I'm not sure how good Joanne's been. Um, it's a pretty large reference in the back of the, and in terms of other documents that was cited in reference from time to time. Um, I'm, I think the reality is there is there is very little like that sort of really focused on operations. So there was probably one call out of America. I can't remember if that was a highway national one. And um, but you know, most really focused on technology kind of thing rather than the operations. I certainly am not aware of any of that materials to motorway. I'd be not sure that's where the question is coming from. We have the guide to smart motorways on our website published, so maybe um, that would provide more information. Yeah, and I think um, some of the some of the references that Simon's just mentioned, yes, in the in the in the reference section of the document should be some more indication of content that might answer that question. So there has been one other question come in, Simon, and probably back to the same slide, 29. Um, someone has asked the question, that, and this is maybe your opinion on, um, oh, sorry, perhaps the previous one, Ekaterina. Yeah, someone's asked the question about traveller information, um, that what I'm inferring that it should be there for each stage. I'm reading that as levels but it doesn't look like the matrix has that in there. That's a question mark or a comment, Simon. Quite following the query. The travel information is just where is that material? Yeah, I think um, if you talk about the column, the traveller information column, perhaps just explain what the, the context and, and understanding is going from level one to five, perhaps that would help shine some light on the roots, on the question. So, so just for maturity, so starting at the basics, you know, these days Google and I guess a few others provide travel information without doing anything. So hence we use that at the bottom level. Um, then, Phones are obviously a major crossover from travel control and travel information to be acknowledged the full role at level two. Uh, then at level three, we moved up websites and where you're now controlling the message rather than say Google. Um, it's obviously can go out um, 
provide a bit more detail and a bigger picture than just a verbal message sign, which some of the people that you want to communicate with are seeing. Um, and then even you know, things like radio stations, we're picking up things on the, from the website as well. Then on, then going out further, you know, open data. So now, um, so if you're publishing your information that you might be using to drive your website, and I've even seen some doing this with webcams, making that as open data, uh, then multiple other parties can then tie into that data and distribute your information on your behalf um, for their own for their own benefits. But they see a benefit why they would want to share your information. And then the last one really is, I guess, ultimately getting more direct. So how can we push information directly into a vehicle? And, and this is doable a bit now. So obviously, incident data um, coming in via in-car navigation. Um, but I think over time, this is probably gets a touch more into um, a little bit more futuristic, but very near technology around customizing that message based on where the vehicle is. Uh, as opposed to more generic, watch out, such and such roads close because of an incident. Uh, and then the last one, which is one of my favorites, is you know, when you're on a variable message sign, you might have the travel time to the city via the train versus continuing in your car. So that's you know, really advanced, um, you know, highly effective travel information. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that explanation, Simon. I think that hopefully will that gives the the person asking the question some insights to what how traveller information is treated in the the scales or the levels. Um, and that's our last question. So I will hand back uh, to Ekaterina to wrap up. Thank you. Thanks so much, uh, David and Simon and Joanne. Um, just a couple of uh, slides to finish the session. As you can see on the screen, we have um, three webinars left for this year. Uh, we will talk about the use of recycled plastics in pavements, uh, the impact of service authorities on infrastructure projects, and the Austroads safety hardware training and accreditation scheme. So for more information and to register, please visit our website. And uh, as we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. Uh, please take a couple of minutes to send us your feedback. It really helps us to know what you liked or didn't like about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Once again, today's session is being recorded and we will send you the link to the recording when it's published on our website. Thanks again, everyone. Stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day.